Wow. Hello, everyone. It's great to be with you again this week. I hope you've been uh, having an enjoyable weekend. And um, I've just got a few thoughts to share with you today. And I'd like to encourage you as you sit back and relax and maybe have a coffee or something um, and, and just sort of enjoy this afternoon. Um, I just encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you through what I want to share. And, um, you know, he is the great teacher. So just take a moment now just to acknowledge him and just say, Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you're here with us. And I just thank you that you are the great teacher. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, let me just have ears to hear and a heart that's open to receive. That you would speak to me, that you would encourage me, that I'd be blessed today, that I'd be uplifted. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Yeah. So let's begin, shall we? Scripture, you know, is incredibly important for us on this journey of faith. Um, scripture is the story of God and humanity. In, in Scripture, we in Scripture we see stories of of sorrow and joy, and so, uh, stories of defeat and victory, and of of failure and restoration. Ultimately, what shines through every time is the faithfulness of God and His fatherhood, and and of course, the very heart of everything, of every story, is Jesus Himself. Jesus is one of our main topics. We are Jesus-centric people. Um, if I think about some of the heroes in Scripture that I'm inspired by, they often become the basis of many messages I, I um, have shared. The, the stories that always lead us to Jesus, either about his coming or his, or his life in the flesh or the outworking of his victory. And so today I'd like to focus on one of the great prophets of Scripture, Whose life was whose life message was very Jesus centric. His entire life was focused on awakening a generation of people about events that were taking that would take place and were also taking place. Um, this prophet is, of course, John, not the Apostle John, but John the Baptist. John would give us the would give the final announcement of the coming Messiah. His message was about the message that was to come, Jesus in the flesh. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that, that God many times during the ages had revealed portions of truth through the prophets. But now he was, spoke, he was speaking and has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. Jesus is the complete message in whom all things are created. It's, it's through Jesus who, where all things are restored. It's through Jesus that all things are held together. It is through Jesus um, in whom the Father becomes fully known. He is the one who sits at the right hand of the Father, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And so when Jesus, who is all these things, says something like this, that among those born of women, there has not risen any greater than John the Baptist, it makes you ponder on the significance of John's ministry. Doesn't that just make you want to think? John, John is a representative of Israel. He represents a people of covenant. His job is to testify, to make a decree that partners with God faithfully fulfilling his promise. And it's so good. I feel like there's some real gold to take away, um, things that we can learn from, from looking at John the Baptist. 
The story of John can be found in the Gospels, but his but he was prophesied long beforehand. For example, a couple of verses you can find in Isaiah 40. Um, and Isaiah 40 also is, get, is quoted in Luke chapter 3. And it talks about the voice of one crying in the wilderness, making way, making ready the way of the Lord. And it also has this fantastic little verse there that says, And the glory, the majesty, the splendor, of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. So good. The glory of the Lord being revealed. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, another verse, you know, it says, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So let's continue eh, by jumping into the Gospel of Luke. After a brief introduction, um, Luke goes straight into the story of John. And he tells us about um, John's father, Zacharias, and mother, Elizabeth, how they could not have any children. And Zacharias was a priest, and one particular day it was his turn to, to perform his priestly duties in the temple. And while he was doing this, the angel Gabriel appeared to him. And Gabriel tells them that they will, they're going to have a son, and his son will be called John, and that John will be, a, will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. And Gabriel tells Zacharias that, that John will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord, that he would be a forerunner in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the disobedient to an attitude of righteousness, to make a people ready for the Lord. Zacharias, uh, his reply, it's, it's really honest, actually. He just says to Gabriel, well, that, that sounds great, but I'm, on, I'm an old man and my missus, she's no spring chicken anymore. But Gabriel shuts him up and he literally causes him to go mute. The Gospel of Luke then continues with the story of Mary, who had become the mother of Jesus. She too has an, a, an encounter with the angel Gabriel. And we learn that Elizabeth and Mary are relatives. And you can read that whole story in Luke chapter 1, but we're just going to skip all through um, that for now. So if we, if we skip up to where John is going to be born. And so John's born and Zacharias's tongue is loosened. So he's been mute this whole time until John's born and they're about to name him. And then his lips are unloose and he makes this, his first decree is this boy will be called John. Then Zacharias is filled with the Holy Spirit and he begins to prophesy and he says a bunch of stuff. And at the end of this declaration, he speaks to his son. And this is what he says. He prophesies to John. He says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare his way to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, talking about Jesus, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then the scripture tells us that, that John grew, not just physically, but he also grew strong in the spirit. And he lived in the desert until the beginning of his public ministry. So John the Baptist had a ministry that was based on three things. Repent, baptism, and kingdom. Repent, baptism, and kingdom. 
what we often don't think about is the people that his message was being directed to. John's message was for those of the Jewish covenant. He was called to Jewish people to prepare their hearts, their attitudes, to challenge them so that they would be ready for the arrival of the Messiah that they'd been waiting for. The word repent just means to turn around, to go in a different direction, to head in a new direction. It implies to, ha- to think differently. It changes your destination. The word baptism or, or the act of baptism was not something that John invented. It wasn't, it wasn't named after him. You know, John's middle name wasn't the. The concept of baptism was ancient. For the, for the Jewish world, it was called the mikvah. And it was used in the initiation of the priesthood. It was practiced by a bride in preparation for her wedding. Uh, anyone who came in contact with anything that was religiously unclean would be immersed in water as part of a cleansing ritual. It was something very familiar in their culture. Mikvah was also commonly practiced when someone was embracing the teaching of a leader. It was symbolic of, of fully associating themselves with that teaching. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul said that Israel was baptized into Moses when they passed through the Red Sea. You know, it means that they embraced the leading and identified themselves as followers of Moses. They came under him. Moses was their voice. Moses was their leader. Moses was their teacher. And it's, that was symbolic of them submitting and being led by Moses. Masses of people were being baptized by John. And in doing so, they were acknowledging who John was. They were agreeing with his message and they were responding to the invitation to restore their connection, to to rededicate their focus and their trust and their faith on God. It puts a bit more meaning to the phrase baptism and repentance when you think about the significance of its meaning. You know, you take that into consideration when you think about being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, we are, we are fully associating ourselves with Jesus. But that's a message for another day around baptism. There was another reason why Jesus, uh, there was another reason why John was baptizing. And we can see that in this neat bit of scripture in John chapter 1. John was being challenged by some religious leaders about who he was. You know, who are you? Who is this guy? And John said to him, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And they replied, if you're not the Christ, Elijah, a prophet, then why are you baptizing people? And John tells them that there is one amongst them that they do not know, one that he himself is unworthy to untie the sneakers of. And the next day it says that he saw, John saw Jesus coming. And it reads, and this is John 1 verse 29. And and John calls out, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he who, on behalf of whom I said, after me, after me comes a man who has a much, has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. 
I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. So good. You know, it seems to suggest that even though John and Jesus were related through their mother, through their mothers, John didn't really know that Jesus was the Messiah. And by immersing people with water, he was looking for one. He was looking for the one in whom the Holy Spirit would descend on and rest on. As God had told him, look for this one. And then when you see that one, make the declaration because this is the one. And John did that. He declared that this is the Son of God when he saw the Holy Spirit come and descend and hover on Jesus. The third aspect of John's message, the kingdom, the message of the kingdom was, was really to help redirect their expectation. Israel was an occupied nation, a, a people under the rule of the Roman Empire. They had this expectation that a king, a messiah would come who would deliver them from oppression. The idea of a kingdom, you know, was deeply ingrained in their thinking. Heavily influenced with the land of promise. The kingdom was about geography, but John was preparing them to think differently. Jesus himself would add more language to this. And in Luke 17, verse 20, Jesus would explain when the, the religious leaders asked Jesus, said, when is, the, when is this kingdom coming? And Jesus replied, God's realm does not come simply by obeying principles or by waiting for signs. The kingdom is not discovered in one place or another, for God's kingdom realm is already expanding within some of you. Some translations say the kingdom of God is within you. So John's message was one of repent, baptism, and kingdom. His message was that it's, it's time to be ready. Prepare your hearts, your mind, your thinking, let your living, let your living bear the fruit consistent with your repentance because the Messiah is here. The Messiah is coming. John's message went beyond just words. His entire life was the message. His clothing of camel hair and the leather belt around his, his, his waist aligned with the prophecies about him. You know, so calling him a type of Elijah. In 2 Kings 1, we read that Elijah the prophet wore a garment of, of hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. See, John and Elijah had the same tailor. And as I mentioned earlier, Jesus speaking of John said that among those who were born of woman, there had not arisen any greater than John the Baptist. Jesus carries on that sentence and he says, Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. For that from the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. This is the thing. John was the greatest of his epic season, the, the climatic end of an era that, that would announce a new beginning, where a people would have to choose. They would have to choose to turn or to return their faith towards a faithful God. It would require a new way of thinking. It would require a trust in their Messiah. John himself struggled with this. He carried the message, but he struggled with this himself. Not long after he introduced and declared Jesus as the Messiah, John was arrested and imprisoned by King Herod. In the meantime, you know, Jesus' ministry had begun and was starting to expand. And so the rumors, the rumors had gone out about this great prophet called Jesus. 
And John's in prison and he starts to hear the stories. And so John sends a couple of his disciples to go ask Jesus, was Jesus the one they were expecting or should they seek another one? You know, it seems really strange that John did this when you read back on the previous events where the Holy Spirit had rested on Jesus as a, as a sign to John. And then John had already boldly declared that Jesus was the Son of God. John was being challenged by his own message to trust that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. John was in prison. The, the liberation of Israel, I don't think, looked like what he was expecting to happen. There, there's several views on why John asked this question, and we'll probably really never know the real reason why. But maybe like many other Jews at the time, he was expecting the Messiah to be a military general. When what they got was a Messiah of mercy, a Messiah of compassion and love. Jesus tells John's disciples that John had sent to Jesus in John 7, go and report to John what you've seen and what you've heard. So they got to witness what Jesus was doing. Go and report what you've seen and what you've heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And then Jesus adds, blessed is he who does not take offense at me. You know, John's message laid the beginnings so that the message of the good news could go to the Jew first and then the Gentile world. What we would know as Jerusalem, Judea and the ends of the earth. John's message was a, a declaration of the living message, Jesus Christ in the flesh. And when you think about it, what an honor that, God, that, that John got to carry. What an honor that... Uh, of his call that he got to, to, to live out and walk out. And yet we're told it, it pales, it pales in comparison to what we have in Christ. Wow. You know, as I've been doing some study on John the Baptist and uh, recently, and I've, I've, I've really just been captivated by how much more there is, much more than I ever saw before about this man. And I've been encouraged by John's story in Scripture. Um, you know, John was so faithful to his mission. He was faithful to his call. And not just words, his entire life was a, a testimony to his contemporaries. And that's something for us to consider. That's something for us to be challenged by. Do we, do we just have the talk? Do we have all the, the kingdom lingo? Do we say the right words? Or does the way we live support the message that we speak? Does the way we live support our spoken message? John, when he challenged the religious leaders, said that they should bear fruit as evidence of their repentance. And that's a great challenge, that there should be fruit as evidence of our repentance. We should be changed as we're ones that have turned to Christ. We should be changed. And we should also at the same time be in the process of being changed. Because we are a people who have turned towards Jesus. And for those of us that have been baptized in Christ, what should the fruit of that look like? What is the fruit of being baptized in Christ? It's a question that each of us has to answer for ourselves. Another thing to consider is to be wise how we manage our expectations. To be wise in how we manage our expectations. You know, John 
John found himself in a situation I don't think he was expecting. Can you imagine spending most of your life preparing for a ministry that you knew was central to the revealing of the Messiah, for the ushering into the kingdom? And, and now that moment had come. It is being unraveled right before your eyes. Jesus was revealed. And the next minute you're in prison facing death. It's easier to understand why John had some doubts. I do think there was some wisdom on John's part where he sent some of his friends to go and inquire with Jesus. To ask Jesus, if he, you know, are you really the Messiah? And based on the reply Jesus gave, I think John was going to have to make a choice. Was he going to be offended or not? Was he going to choose to be offended or not? All of us at some stage of face that type of moment in life. Someone or something has disappointed our expectations. Even God sometimes, sometimes we can have uh, maybe uh, a scenario played in our head that a certain type of thing is going to happen or God is going to do something and it doesn't look like we thought it was going to look and we, we feel discouraged or we're disappointed that we're, in, we're now in a circumstance we weren't expecting. In those moments, if we're willing we will take some time to have a look at the bigger picture. And that's the picture that Jesus painted for John. You know, I don't think John expected to be in prison. But I love Jesus' reply. The deaf hear, the blind see, the dead are raised, the good news is spreading. Now what are you going to align your thinking with, John? At the very beginning, you know, I encouraged you to um, to lean into the Holy Spirit as I shared and to let uh, the Holy Spirit speak to you and minister to you to just bring revelation, really. And so I do have two questions just as I start to land this and, and wrap up my thoughts today. Um, so my first question is, what, uh, uh, as I've been sharing on John, what has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you? What has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you? What is he quickening? What is he making alive? What is he challenging you with? And the second question, which is always partnered with that first one, is what do you need to do with what the Holy Spirit has spoken to you? What do you need to do? Because as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, there's usually an action associated with it. Whether we need to um, come into alignment with a, a truth or we need to action something in our lives, whatever it is. So what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and what do you need to do about it? As believers, we reveal Jesus through the way we live individually and corporately. The stories in Scripture, they're, they're there to teach us and encourage us on our journey of faith. And so we can be greatly inspired and encouraged by reading and learning and and studying about people like John the Baptist. Mm. Oh, wow. So I would just like to wrap this up maybe with um, praying for you guys, if you'd let me. So just encourage you to shut your eyes and um, put out your hands. It's just, you know, an act of just um, receiving. And just, uh, again, just be so aware of his presence. Just be so aware of his love towards you and his goodness towards you and his rest and his peace right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you speak to us, that you're our great teacher, that you encourage us. Yeah. Lord, we just thank you for, um, firstly, we just thank you for the scriptures we have. And we thank you for those that have gone before us and their stories that we can be encouraged and edified through. Father, we just thank you for John the Baptist. We thank you for his life that he lived, the life that he uh, sowed completely, the life that he abandoned towards uh, of uh, to fulfill and faithfully walk out his call of, of declaring Jesus. Father, we just thank you. And we just thank you for the things that we can learn from studying those scriptures, from reading those stories. Father, and I just, I just thank you that all of us are a living message, are a living message of your goodness to the world around us, to, the, to the, our contemporaries, to everyone that's alive on the planet right now, that we are your message. We're a living testimony of the victory of Jesus. Father, that it would just be more than words. It would be our entire lifestyle, who we are, what we do, the way we live. And Father, that we would be wise as we navigate circumstances, that we don't get lost or distracted by maybe um, disappointments or um, where our expectations are met, but that we would place our expectation and our hope in the person of Jesus, that we would be always willing to see the bigger picture of what's taking place. Father, I bless everyone that's listening today just with a, a fresh a fresh presence, a fresh overpour over their whole being right now, just a stirring. Whatever they need, do they need peace, joy, an injection of hope, that they'll see a bigger picture that we all get to be part of, that we all contribute to, that we'll all, we all bring something to the table. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, that's it from me for this afternoon. Um, I hope that you've got something there to take away or you've been encouraged with. Bless you, and I'll see you all again soon.